Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Jonathan Alpert will join us to discuss Be Fearless. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, why do some people stay in jobs or relationships they find unfulfilling? Why do some people shy away from public speaking and other types of presentations? And why don't people ask for what they really want? Could the answer be because they're fearful? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is psychotherapist Jonathan Alpert. Jonathan Alpert is a renowned uh, psychotherapist who uh, has written regularly about everything from celebrity scandals to the economy for major national and international newspapers and magazines. He's appeared on several programs, including Today, CNN, Good Morning America, and is recently called Manhattan's most media-friendly psychotherapist by the New York Observer. He has written the new book, Be Fearless, Change Your Life in 28 Days, and we're uh, pleased to have you on the program today. Uh, Dr. Alpert, thank you for joining us today, and uh, thank you for talking about your book, Be Fearless. Thanks, Charles. Well, it's it's a great book that uh, you've written, and I think it's a message that certainly everyone should embrace is Be Fearless. I'm curious, why did you decide to write the book? I wrote the book because it, it really comes from my practice. I've, I've been practicing for 15 years, and I've found that that four-letter word, fear, is really what holds people back from pursuing and accomplishing their goals and dreams. And uh, I have a program that I use in my practice that is quite effective, and I realized that it would translate well in, in the book format. And, uh, and we have the book. Uh, I also include sort of my backstory about my geeky, dorky, painfully shy uh, early years and how I overcame that. So it uh, works nicely together, and uh, and the book came out on April 24th and seems to be doing quite well so far. Uh, but fear is really about uncertainty and what we don't know and what happens. The brain starts to fill in the blanks to try to make sense of the situation, and the problem with that approach is it's usually wrong and based more on fantasy than, than fact, and that's what drives the anxiety and the fear and renders people rather helpless in the situation. Uh, do you think that it's uh, the case that some people are just better able to deal with the fear, or is it? do you think something innate or something that can be learned how to um, overcome these types of oftentimes paralyzing fears? I do think some people are just more prone to it. Perhaps they didn't learn uh, certain skills growing up, uh, and it just becomes uh, part of their their makeup. Uh, There are fearful people and fearless people. Um, Firefighters, for instance, uh, they run into burning buildings. I would never in a million years do that. You probably wouldn't either. But they do it because it's part of their job. They've had the training and 
they have the expertise to do it. Uh, so, you know, you can learn to be fearless. I'm sure the first time a firefighter ran into a, a, a fire, a, a building that was on fire, they probably had some fear, but they've, you know, they learned how to do it. Is there just something about change that is, you think, innately causes fear? I do, and I think change uh, is about uncertainty, as I mentioned. And people, when they don't, when there's no predictability, they get anxious, and it's not a good place to be. So they sometimes say, you know what, forget it. I'm not going to change, and they they avoid that at all costs. You know, there are some people who don't advance in their career or take the next step towards marriage or pursue their dreams and goals because they're fearful. They're afraid of what might lie ahead. But with a smart, practical plan, they can they can certainly do that. Uh, what, do you, what do you think it keeps um, some people stuck being fearful? There are a couple of things. Um, some people, well, for one, they don't have the skills, they don't have the direction, they don't have the know-how. Um, other people... They find comfort in it. Uh, they would rather stay where they are than sort of go out there and take a risk because the thought of taking that risk and doing something uh, creates a greater anxiety than staying where they are. I see this in with relationships a lot. Someone might be in an unhappy marriage, uh, but the thoughts of going out there and meeting someone new is is overwhelming, so they stay in a bad situation instead. In your book, you talk about laying out a plan for dealing with this fear. Yeah, so the book, uh, Be Fearless, has a five-step plan. And the first step is is to define the dream. And this is where I have people visualize what their future looks like and what they're trying to come up with a goal and what their dream is and to write it out, you know, write out what they want. Uh, a lot of times people, they don't know what they want, so you need to know what it is you'd like to achieve. Uh, and then step two uh, is what I call break your fear pattern. And this is where I, rather counterintuitively, I have people uh, write out all the reasons why they can't do something. So if you wanted to... Um, uh, start a side business, so you wanted to become a um, massage therapist. You might think of all the reasons why you can't. You don't have time to go to school. You have to deal with kids. You'll never be able to schedule appointments. Uh, so I have people sort of purge themselves with all this, all this, all these stoppers. I like to call them. And then we go through them, and we talk, and we undo them, and we talk about why that's not so, or what they can do to deal with it. Uh, and then we get into rewriting the narrative. So we we um, we tend to talk to ourselves, and fearful people tend to speak negatively to themselves. Uh, so, for example, you might say, "I can't do this. I'll never be able to do that. He won't like me. She won't like me. They'll think I'm stupid. They won't like my speech." You know, all sorts of self-defeating talk. And I get them to change that around and really work to uh, have a more positive and empowering uh, narrative. And I like to tell people if every time Michael Jordan got the ball, he thought, I'm no good, I'll never make this basket, uh, he probably wouldn't have made the basket as many times as he did. Uh, And then step four is eliminate your fear response. And this is where we have some physical exercises to help people deal with the sensations, so the, the actual anxiety, the increased heart rate, the 
uh, perspiration, the increased breathing rate, and just some relaxation exercises. And I like to teach people that physiologically speaking, uh, fear and excitement are quite similar. When we're excited, our heart rate increases, and when we're fearful, our heart rate increases. Uh, so in both cases, the goal is to get more blood to pump through the body so that we can uh, flee the situation or fight. So the, the, the brain, the mind, is what really makes the distinction between fear and, uh, and excitement. Uh, and then finally, the last step is to live your dream, and this is where we come up with a uh, with a practical, uh, fearless action plan. And that's that's when people put their their plans into action and actually carry out their their goals, their dreams. Uh, do you think there are any particular barriers along the way on the on these five steps? Is there any step that you find that people have particular difficulty addressing? You know, with guidance, they're able to do it, but a lot of times rewriting their inner narrative can be somewhat of a challenge because, uh, you know, depending on how old you are, if you're 20, 30, 40 years old, you've been sort of repeating the same way of thinking for a long time. So it takes a while to, to change that. Uh, in the book, I talk about one client who she would always say, yeah, but, you know, I might suggest substance to her and then she'd say yeah but so she always had an excuse and it came out in her language so my goal was to try to get her to eliminate the but so just say yeah and then eliminate what came after that that disqualifier so she was able to work on that and eventually change the way she spoke and that ultimately changed the way that she felt and influenced her her actions it seems to me that uh, these sort of inner narratives that people have can be so deeply ingrained that it's, uh, it's very difficult to try and rewrite it. You know, I have, I have clients really take note of, of it. So I have them write down their thoughts and put a line down the middle of the page. And then on the other side of the page, reframe it. So someone who might say, uh, you know, I'm not attractive, that girl will never go for a guy like me. So you might reframe that by saying, uh, you know, I have some positive qualities. This is what they are. I don't know if this girl will go for a guy like me, but I can try. So it just it takes time to, to make the change. Indeed, indeed. And the last part you mentioned also is the rethinking away your physiological response to fear. Yeah, it, it, it's not easy, but it's also not impossible. The first time that I was on national TV, uh, I was sweating bullets. My heart was pounding, and I thought it was going to pound out of my chest, and it's a good thing I didn't wear white underwear that day, <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, those are intense physiological responses to stress, and through some visualization exercises, you're able to calm down the, the physiology. Uh, you know, one that I like to do with people is, you know, walk them through a scenario where they, they're laying on a, on a raft on a gentle uh, lake or pond, and they can just feel the waves gently sort of rocking them and calming them down. Um, we also do some progressive muscle relaxation, which is where you start at the top of your head and work your way to your toes, and you're just trying to relax the different muscle groups. And then also some visualization exercises. Uh, and these, these exercises have actually been shown to lower blood pressure in some, some patients. Well, oftentimes some changes can be sort of short-term. Is there a way of making sure these changes stick? Uh, they become automated, uh, just as bad behaviors or unhealthy behaviors become habituated. 
these healthy behaviors can become um, you know, ingrained and, and part of what we do every day. And and can these changes take long? Uh, you had an interesting in the New York Times Sunday Review, In Therapy Forever, you called it enough already. Does one really need uh, a lot of time to get these changes? Uh, it, 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 it depends. The article really spoke to ineffective therapy and how people sometimes get uh, stuck in therapy because they go in every week, they vent, and they walk out feeling better. And then they go back next the next week and do the same thing. But I argued in my in my article that that's ultimately not in the patient's best interest because it builds a dependence on therapists. And there's a big difference between feeling better or feeling good and getting better. Um, you know, one is more of a temporary fix; the other is is lasting. Uh, so the article uh, hit quite a nerve uh, in in the community, therapists are sending me hate mail and um, other people who have been stuck in therapy for years are emailing me and are uh, were quite thrilled and refreshed to, to read it. So it definitely started a conversation. So are you definitely on the side that perhaps a more aggressive type of therapy is, is warranted in some cases or generally? Uh, yeah, I would, I would argue that a therapist that is more directive and aggressive and isn't afraid to actually give the person advice will probably yield better results than a, a passive therapist who merely nods his, his or her head and uh, you know, offers vague uh, utterances of reassurance. Um, you know, I think old school therapy, uh, Freudian therapy is a bit dated and um, it's not quite what people are looking for these days. You know, the economy is tough. People don't quite have the funds or time to, to go to therapy weekly or twice a week for years. Uh, my clients come to me, they want results, and, and they get them. Do you think the trend is then changing now to this newer style? Uh, I think it is. Uh, I think insurance companies recognize it. You know, they a lot limited sessions, um, you know, usually 10 to 30 sessions, depending on the insurance coverage. Uh, they're not so quick to provide or a lot unlimited sessions. Uh, so I think they're holding uh, providers to a standard uh, where they, you know, they want to see results as well. Uh, it seems as if also there's a, a movement in general psychology more towards this positive psychology rather than focusing on negatives facilitate uh, change. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the trend, and uh, I think that's certainly a movement in the right direction. The book is, um, again, it, it represents what I do with my clients uh, in, in therapy. Uh, it's, a, it's a compact version of that, and if someone is dedicated to working through the program, they will start to see some changes in, uh, in 28 days. Uh, it also talks about what fearful people do to stay fearful, and it talks about what fearless people do. So it's it's a it's a good read. It was the book was endorsed by Stephen Covey, the uh, mega best-selling author, and also by uh, uh, an Olympic uh, athlete who was quite fearless, uh, Dan Jansen, the, the speed skater. So um, it's getting some pretty good reviews early on, and uh, I, I would certainly encourage people who are feeling debilitated by fear to check it out. Well, the book, again, is called Be Fearless, Change Your Life in 28 Days, and the author, again, is Dr. Jonathan Alpert. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks, uh, Charles. I appreciate it. And you were just listening to Jonathan Alpert discussing the Be Fearless. This is the Grok's Science Show. Coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000, so stay tuned. It's not easy having yourself.
Rockatron 5000. It is our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Rockatron 5000 has chosen the topic fearless or fearful. So, for the following five individuals, the Rockatron 5000 would like to know if you think they're more fearless or fearful, and a little reason why. Dr. Albert, ready to play the game? Yes. Okay, here we go. Person number one, fearless or fearful, it's the uh, talk show host, Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer is fearless. He's willing to take on any topic. He's willing to let his guests talk about anything under the sun. He's not afraid to uh, bring on controversial topics either. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, Number two, it's the uh, quarterback, Tim Tebow. Tebow. He's he's fearful. That's why he's such a devout religious person. He's fearful he might go to hell. All right. Uh, Number three, uh, it's Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Dr. Ruth Westheimer is my idol. I uh, I actually write about her in my book. She's fearless. She uh, was a pioneer in the field of of uh, sex ed, and uh, you know built a great career early on, and was able to broadcast to millions on her show. So she's fearless, and certainly very entertaining. I think uh... she is. She is. And uh, when I was a kid, I listened to her and used to think she was old back then. But um, <laughs> I think she's only eighty now. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, number four, uh, fearless or fearful, it's Dr. Phil. Uh, Dr. Phil is, he's fearless in one sense because he has a TV show and he's able to, uh, you know, similar to Dr. Springer, talk about a wide range of topics. But perhaps beneath that there's some fear of uh, failure or that he might uh, not be Succeeding, I, I don't, I don't know, Doctor. Those are hard to comment, but I think on the surface he's certainly fearless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, and finally, number five, fearless or fearful, it's the President of the United States, Barack Obama. President Obama has got to be fearless. I think anyone who is president has to be fearless. You know, to be commander in chief and to have so much responsibility, you've got to be fearless. And he's actually mentioned in my book too. All right. Well, um, Dr. Albert, I want to thank you very much for uh, sticking around playing your game and, again, talking about your new book uh, called Being, Be Fearless, Change Your Life in 28 Days. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot, Charles. I appreciate it. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.